0: Welcome, everyone. I'm Carolyn Sadeko, And I'm Shanta Lecker. And this is Human Regards.
1: Today, we welcome Tony Lynn A. Sudecco to the show. And full disclosure, queerness abounds. We explore the evidence of existence from certain emojis we should leave out of the DMs to the angelic troublemakers among us. Please note there are mentions of depression and suicidal ideation in this episode.
0: Friends. Hello, friends. Hello.
2: It's so great at the are you good?
0: I am good. I had a. now that I have my lips on. Um <laughs> they look great, by the way. <laughs> put it
2: out there. I like the color. <laughs> you need lips on? I put on clothes for y'all, so I know. <laughs> oh.
1: In so many ways, you brought us into this relationship. There was like a a much quicker trust. (laughs) You created this as much as we did, you know, because that relationship was such a big part of us connecting and finding like this quick familiarity and comfort level and like jump started this whole thing. So so that's why it makes sense, you know, for you to be here. It makes sense.
2: (laughs) I love that because I, I think about that time when we were playing lacrosse together at UCLA. And that means Carolyn never came to a game. She would have mm-hmm. met you. True. <laughs> <laughs> she would have met you back then. Oh but my like, gosh. Just the timing of like when you all were meant to relate years later. And also just bringing us back together, talking about those formative years and how we share our love of music. And it's really cool to like witness everyone's growth too. Obviously Carolyn's
0: known me for a long time. <laughs> like, it's weird that you're calling me Carolyn right here. <laughs>
2: I, I know. So, oh yeah, maybe we should maybe we should make that clear that I do call Carolyn ate, which means older sister in Tagalog. So I will be saying ate. I think it just speaks to our relationship, you know?
0: Right. When you're not in the room, I call you my sibling. Mm-hmm. I call you uh, Tony Lynn. But then when I'm in a room with you, I think I just, I call you Tone. Tone. Mm-hmm.
2: Usually Tone had been reserved for people who were closer to me, or maybe I was just more accustomed to hearing tone uh, from loved ones. But I've noticed that people are using that more. So Tony, tone is okay. Pronouns are they and he. Thank you.
1: You never know. Someone might be in your DMs and they got (laughs) to know. Let's
2: not talk about DMs. I don't know, Shanta, if you saw my stories from a few, (laughs) uh, about a month, two months ago. It was a whole... about DMs and what the hell does it mean to slide through someone's DMs. And it just started an uproar on my Instagram, but I haven't posted it to the to the feed, or yeah, the main. So maybe I'll create a reel about it. But it was really fascinating. Is this
1: because someone did that? Like someone slid into
2: your DMs? This is what we were trying to d- figure out. Like, uh, okay. what was sliding through the your, your <laughs> use of sliding through the DMs might be very different than than my definition. So we had to kind of figure I that bet, out. I bet our our
1: definition is probably not that different. But yeah. It, it, hmm.
2: Yeah, I think it's the question of, like, does it have a romantic leaning or not? Mm -hmm. I've learned that if I'm sliding through someone's DMs, that there's that potential of someone thinking that you're trying to get with them. And that's usually not the case with me.
0: (laughs) Which is interesting. (laughs) Shanta and I have talked about this, about our curation, right? Our curation Mm -hmm. of our social media, Mm -hmm. um, if we're leading with identity, Uh If we're leading with um, with that openness, then what does that look like in the curation of our profiles? Or what does the, the space of the DMs hold? And when you brought that to my attention, I was like, oh my gosh. Do people think like I'm after them?
1: So if you're responding with, with the flame, the fire emoji, that can definitely
2: spur a little something. Oh no, I use that a lot. I my like, God forbid you use these emojis, you know? I use thinking this a it's lot. It's playful. My favorite lately has been the emoji that looks like it's two hands together mm-hmm. and it looks like they're making an offering, but yeah. it looks like they're making an offering or they can be receiving. Well, I just also realized that like, as we're talking about these emojis, we were gesturing and we weren't uh for some of them we weren't explaining what what they were so for you listeners uh hopefully you got that so this this <laughs> if not send us
1: a message for clarification two dms two are phones. okay
2: yeah slide through the dms <laughs> with
1: the emoji you, know, oh. you think it is at oh, human regards Pod, hit us with whatever emoji you have questions about and we'll work through it.
0: We'll work through the, it. Together. I will I have a question about the emoji that's like a melting face. What's mm-hmm. the melting I love that one. The one I where use it you it like a lot. I use it leaning a lot. towards the side and, and then, then kind of melting.
1: What I use it for two things. It's slightly embarrassing. One is like exhaustion and then the second one is if someone is like just so hot. It's like better than sweating,
0: you know. <laughs> So if I s- if other people use it for other things, if I slide into someone's DMs with that emoji, what are the implications for me? Is
2: it just the emoji? <laughs> yeah, I what's don't the know. context? You gotta give us context.
0: No more DMs for me.
2: Is no this mo- like a cold DM? Like <laughs>
0: uh, my other favorite is this one with the hands on the yeah, face, the one and the one say? eye, <laughs> <laughs> the one eye looking kind of that's how I watch horror films like that
2: (laughs) this is my signal to like I hear you I feel you and I'm gonna run away for a second and then maybe I'll come back yes (laughs) like I'm always like ah like overwhelmed can you imagine if we if we
1: got a like 13 year old on here to explain how what those all mean it would be different that's the thing with with that stuff it's like it changes so quickly.
2: Yeah. You know, don't use the eggplant emoji at the just or the, the peach, not the peach. <laughs> yeah, the peach or the eggplant right. just avoid yeah. all together. I'm, that's all I'm going to say.
0: First of all, thank you and that this brings to mind Shanta <laughs> that this this is my relationship with with Tony Lynn. Like I'm yep. the I'm the older sister who <laughs> who needs to know these things. Tony Lynn is my resource because I think I actually just used the eggplant emoji yesterday. (laughs) The eggplant emoji comes up a lot in my threads with my, um, mom's group. (laughs) Oh no.
2: Okay, so there's, I mean, I can interpret that in so many different ways, but I mean, also when you're next, you know, one of our favorite dishes, or at least mine, is tortang talong, which is, right. you know, eggplant uh, with with egg, egg and, you know, some other veggies and, and all this, but you you basically make it all together and it becomes like a patty and then you eat it with rice maybe even some vinegar and some vinegar That's yeah so, so like i can see how in that group maybe they're just hungry but the, it could also mean that they're hungry
0: oh, for oh, other things oh okay because you know what's so funny And just as we're saying this like my I philippines just, I my mom's thread <laughs> is blown up right now maybe they're sliding in my in my dms right now with a bunch with of it. eggplants so yeah I,
1: I'm like five years old. I don't know why I was laughing so hard. <laughs> just
2: like, all the interpretations. This is what. This is why it was so like lit in my in my DMs because people were responding because I posed a question to. Okay.
0: I thought I wasn't supposed to use the word lit anymore. I just want to check in. Oh, are we not? That, are we not using lit anymore? Help that, me. That kind of stuff. I feel like just say what you want. I okay. You know what I mean? Like we're we're always. I feel
1: like I'm always gonna sound dated to my nephews, for example. It is
2: what it is. They is just it laugh about, at me. Like being dated, or or did I offend someone? Like is right. by me saying lit, is that offending someone?
0: Well, I think therein lies lies the question, Tonin. And, and I rely on you. You are my <laughs> my primary resource for that sort of accountability, right? In in terms of language and uh, relatability and relationship,
2: no pressure, right?
0: <laughs> no pressure, but I think how we have been in our relationship is that sort of resource for each other, right? Because we are 13 years apart in age and we have an affinity to each other. That's, that's not just sibling, but also in this intergenerational mode.
2: Obviously that exists, that age difference, difference exists, And I think it manifests in certain ways. Like, for example, my musical taste. Like sometimes when I think like, how do I know Gin Blossoms? How do I know like all these other, right? Like how do I know (laughs) these groups and these singers? It's because you took me to concerts when I was young. I mean, Shanta, Carolyn took me to Rhythm Nation, Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. Oh my gosh. Yeah, like my first concerts were New Kids on the Block, Debbie Gibson, Janet Jackson. And I feel like, because of that age difference, Carolyn was taking us to these shows. Sometimes I'm reminded of that age difference and the intergenerational, um, like, relation we've built, but also at the same time, you're my peer, you're my colleague, we're like, like, we also interact in spaces that especially when it comes to the Filipinx community in the Bay. I value that so much, like in terms of the expansiveness that I want to approach my life with. I I don't want to say I've learned through your mistakes. That's not, I I think that's like dismissive. But to be an observer, I feel like I've really benefited in the sense that like, I saw things that, you know, were happening in your life and I witnessed and I observed and I was living it with you, but at a very young age, like being able to talk about those things now as I'm older. And I think it's in that learning, being able to talk about it, that we can continue to build relations that we want for ourselves in this world. Do you know what I mean? Like if I hadn't had these experiences where I get to practice this, you know, and I talk about love and action, right? Like mm-hmm. often family be it chosen or blood, like that is often the first point of contact, right? For where we get to learn, play out, observe, like all of these things about relation, relationships and connection. Like it's, it's really interesting how different we all are. And I just really, really value that you are my Ate. And I call, I call Carolyn my MHA, most high athe, because she is the oldest. Um and to me that, that just means it means so much. What
0: I know what's true for me, Tone, and Shanta. I've I've expressed this to Shanta. When that is uh these layers of interaction are pathways that we can express ourselves to one another, right? And and that helps us and break we are out ourselves. of ourselves. Right. And it helps us break out of these roles that we you know that we kind of inherit as as our place markers in our family or place markers and community, when I can go to you, Tone, and and say, can you explain this whole thing about pronouns? Tony Lynn's Facebook profile was the first profile where I noticed that they used the pronoun they. And my first thought at the time was, (laughs) oh, they made a mistake. And, And that was the beginning of my curiosity to, hey, Tone, what does that mean? I can ask Tony Lynn questions like how many flags are in this very diverse community that (laughs) we all have like there's so many flags (laughs) so many letters so many flags so many letters and flags and acronyms and i you know so much learning and 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 that's where we i think rely on our on our family connection to be like well Tone, now, now the obligation is that you have to help me learn this. (laughs) The obligation is that, is that I want to learn this. I want to be curious. I want to, and I don't, I want to go to someone that I trust to be vulnerable in this, to ask, to ask a silly question. How do I do these technicalities of empathy? How do I create this expansiveness? How, and, and, and to be witnessed in my learning, in my growing by someone who's Who's, who could be silly? Who could be compassionate? Who can who can bring the realness? Like yeah, sliding into DMs. I'm like, what? Uh, who could do that? And Shanta, you and I have talked about that with how we can bring into this space uh, a different language, a different way of, of approaching things, and where that feels supported and not just supported, but like necessary and joyous. We are being playful in it. We are being joyful in it. And, and still, I don't know why I I can't use egg, eggplants anymore, but I know, I know that I will
2: talk talk (laughs)
0: offline. We'll talk offline.
2: Thank you. I feel like I want to say thank you. Um, Wow. I'm like super emotional right now. Um, those are things that I really value. Right. And I think my emphasis on joy and on a on a life <clears throat> let me just pause.
1: <laughs> There's no rush. Take your time and like emote. That's great. I that's the whole that's literally why we wanted to do this is so that yeah. people could be could be free to, to be full humans
0: and you know Yeah. should we segue into the the feelings wheel? I,
2: <laughs> I feel I fully trust in in timing, you know, in divine timing and my mm. timing and our timing. It just feels more, you know. I my friend was making fun of me because I use the word align so much, but it's true. It's like that is the the word I have access to that feels the most aligned <laughs> right now, currently in my life. I think fun and joy. I think e- a life filled with ease is more recent finding moments of levity um finding the ways that you know we can play and just let go of the things that are just difficult right like the things that that bog us down that hold us down why do I value this so much why am I that hype person when when it comes to experience and uh, producing events or emceeing karaoke events like There's something about this part of us that we've silenced, that the societies that we've currently have been accustomed to, they just do not value that playfulness and that voice. I mean, that's a structure of capitalism at work, white supremacy, imperialism, colonialism. I mean, all of the things, right? That is kind of like my guiding force. Like, if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. Things felt hard. Things felt difficult. And I say this as a person who's had a lot of privilege in their life. You know, as a child of immigrants, you know, I went to college. We were never homeless. We always had something to eat. We've had chances to explore who we wanted to be in this world. But I am i think a lot about my identity as a queer, trans, Filipinx person who grew up in a Catholic family who came out at a time when I was so happy to be with my first partner who was a cis woman. And at the time I was femme and had hair down to my butt. I was very feminine and I presented in this way and I was like super straight. And the first time I met this person, I was like, oh my God, my world just like flipped. And I didn't know who I was. I actually wasn't sure who I was becoming. I bet on that love that was expressed between us And with my circle of friends that could see the love in that relationship. Did I always value joy, levity, fun through some of these times throughout my life? It felt so dark and it still feels dark. I mean, you know, I did want to talk about mental health eventually, but as a queer person of color who's navigated systems of oppression through nonprofits Uh, through the educational system as a case manager and counselor, seeing how young people deal with depression and suicidality and seeing my stories reflected in theirs finding hope with each other like part of me is just like oh my god have i experienced this fun or am i so focused on fun because i'm so afraid of that darkness cuz i Ooh. know what it's like is that just a gift that i have to access fun or that i'm playful or oh it's always a good time with tone right like I can be myself or like a part of them comes out that I don't think they get to access very much. So there's that like, oh, that's just naturally how tone is. And then there's that like, oh my God, I'm so focused on it because if I'm not, I know I can easily just kind of go this way.
1: Can I offer up something and just squash it if you're like, no, <laughs>
2: okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. um, Like
1: a hundred percent made sense and was very beautifully verbalized like it made total sense listening to you brought this memory up (laughs) of (laughs) us in the car yep and you're driving and kelly clarkson was on what i I was very shy about singing at this point what year was this shanta i think i was 18 so my first year in college so this is like 2000 2002 or three 2002 and in my head voice, I'm singing all these high notes, but in my brain, no one can hear me. It's just like, <laughs> right? It's like a reflex. You driving, you literally looked at me and you're like, I heard that. Like, I heard that note. <laughs> and I was so taken aback because I think for me, singing had been such a private thing. So I, I was very shy about it. Very embarrassed about it. No one was telling me like, oh, wow, look at you hitting those high notes. You know, when you're talking about levity and fun and joy and these things that you bring into all the spaces that you're and the communities and relationships that you're a part of. I see this ability that you have to see people in a way that is very special and very meaningful to them. That level of care requires joy and levity and fun and playfulness. So, when you talk about this contrast between that dark and light, in one moment, you can have all of those things at the same time. You can bring that levity and that joy and still feel the depth of that darkness and it doesn't make you less positive at all. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't make you like, quote unquote, negative. There's so many layers to how you interact with people. And I've felt that playfulness and joy from you. And part of why I think that we clicked as friends so quickly was because I relate a lot to that darkness. That is not, again, it's not negative. It's not, nothing's wrong with me. It's not, you know, like nothing's mm-hmm. wrong with anyone for feeling that, but it, it's, It's there. It's very present. And it's something that I'll just use the word you love. When you find that alignment, (laughs) it's unspoken. It doesn't need to be expressed necessarily because it's understood that we all have those depths. I think some people acknowledge that. (laughs) Some people don't necessarily. And so when I find people that do acknowledge it, that are willing to see people as that whole I really feel connected to them. You know, maybe at the time I didn't know all of that. Like maybe I couldn't put that into words at the time, but I think in hindsight, that, that was like all there. All of all of the light and the dark, if that's what we're going to call it, all the joy and the grief, <laughs> you know, all the knowing and the searching or, you know, like all of that, as much as that sounds like a lot of things, it's like, that's what makes us human. I, and I feel like in so many ways, that's why we
2: connected with ease. I felt like, I felt like, oh it was, yeah, it was yeah. easy. <laughs> I, I want, I want Shanta, I want you to tell Carolyn the story.
0: Tell me the story. <laughs> wow, there's I so many. Stories.
2: But we were recalling like how we used to hang out. And so, so yes. I, I don't think we, we it's, actually draw explained a picture how we know each other. Shanta, you entered UCLA your freshman year in 2002. Mm-hmm. I was entering my third year in college as a transfer student at UCLA in 2002, and we both played on the lacrosse team together at UCLA. In that experience, there weren't many of us players of color. Also, I would argue that we were singing a lot. (laughs) I mean, I sang just to make, make sure I could like... Run these laps and, like, you know, to mm-hmm. k- get my mind off of all the pain from <laughs> running so much. I hate running and I don't know how I was an athlete because I really hate running. <laughs> Same. Same um <laughs> How I played college sports, I have no idea. Shanta, I have these memories too of you really cheering me on. I would always be in the back when we had to run. You would always, like, you were always just beside, you know, and Carolyn and I use this term a lot luck by, like, when you journey. Beside someone like we were really beside each other in our journeys like you just I would look at you and then you you were running I could tell like you weren't having the best time either but I was like okay well if Shanta's gonna do it then you know like if I didn't have those teammates then I, I wouldn't have wanted to be around let me let me rephrase this there were a lot of white white women on our team white girls on our team they were amazing and friendly and awesome but at the time i don't know if i had the lens at which i use certain like at which i think through now um in terms of like what did it mean for us to only have a handful four players of color at the time like i was looking at our team picture from that time and and i really like yeah we were all tight-knit um we naturally gravitated towards each other and that was really crucial for me at the time. You know, I was learning a lot about my identity as a Filipinx person. At the time I was, um, you know, really feminine, but athletic and, and my my gender, that hadn't been uh, a question yet as to like how I was moving in the world. Yeah, just, just at the shot that was recalling a story of, of how we watched Buffy together. <laughs>
1: Well, I, I was. I said earlier that you know I really liked you if I was like, watch this Buffy episode with me. <laughs> <laughs> that was a sign that I was like, this is a this is a good human. Like, you need to see this. I I remember this day so just so, like so specifically because I was like in the top bunk and you're in the bottom bunk. We were watching it on the computer and it was the musical episode of Buffy, which look, I have no shame. I've seen probably 25 times. It's called Once More With Feeling. Buffy is so problematic, I know. There's a lot of misogyny. The creator creator has been a hot, hot mess when it comes to that, but it was such a big part of me growing up and at that age, I just loved it so much. And I just thought I was like cracking up thinking about this because one of the big musical numbers is Willow and and her partner, her girlfriend, or, you know, whatever they were in the show, um, sleeping together for the first time. Looking back at that, and I was like, so, so hetero boy crazy straight at that point. And... You know, and then he, look at us like sitting here making one of my best friends watch this episode of Buffy, like, Hey buddy, maybe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. And and then at the time I was dating my first first partner, first right. girlfriend, uh, who would come and visit. And so my teammates, you know, knew of that relationship. I mean, it was a very integral, formative, you know, part of my life. And and yeah, I would bring them around and and I think people developed relationships with with them too. You know, queerness, queerness abounds. <laughs> and like <laughs> it was just all over. And and honestly, we were just so tight. We were so tight. And like I, I remember thinking at one point, I mean, it was always just like a cheese kind of thing, like, like, cause in my growing, um, in my acceptance of myself, I think I was trying to find other people who were, who were either struggling with the same things. At this point, I hadn't come out to mom and dad yet. I was with my partner and I didn't come out to them until like a year later. And even then they thought that she was my best friend. And
0: so just- just And and the rest of us said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. They're best friends. (laughs) Yes. It's
2: true. All that. Yeah, I mean, yes. There was one tournament because I have pictures of them together, but they didn't know that uh, I was with this person and they were all hanging out on the bleachers together, like sitting next to each other. And my mom's like cheering and, you know, my mom's hilarious at, at games. Um, so she's cheering me on and I just like look over and I it looked like they were getting along. And I just imagine like, what would it be like to come out to them? Could that be a possibility that they would welcome them and welcome me. Oh, it's so
1: much. It's so much. Looking back, one of the most important things throughout my life has, it's been these like queer platonic relationships. Do you know what I mean? And, and I know that oh, I'm yeah. not unique in that, but, um, I think if I had understood that when I was younger, it would have really changed the way that I saw things because Growing up when I did, I think my perception of what it meant to be queer was really limited by what I was seeing in media and by a very small number of people that I knew. It was hyper-sexualized, you know, the, there was like so much about it that is so not true of my <laughs> real life experience. It just, it makes me think about how important those platonic queer relationships have been, even though I didn't really know at the time that that's what that was. You know, I think it's important to bring up because so much of queerness in a lot of different realms and spaces and still in the media in a lot of ways, Mm -hmm. not everything, but there's some exceptions, but like (laughs) so much of it hypersexualized or hyper-romanticized in ways that are not realistic. I see that starting to shift, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and still, for me, as, like, someone in their 30s watching, you know, like, Vida or mm-hmm. um, or Warrior Nun is, like, really impactful for me. I know. Well, hey, you already know I was obsessed with Buffy. You know I'm watching that. So, <laughs> but it's really impactful because it it flips a lot of those tropes and um, it's kind of healing. It's, like, the things I wish I had seen when I was 16. And so yeah. I, I love talking about it. I love talking about these these platonic relationships that are very distinctly queer in my mind that have been so, so important and formative and supportive. And I think a lot of it is this emotional alignment. We have such different experiences and different identities. And we also share some emotional realities that I think are very, very connected. That connection, like having those relationships is so necessary.
2: (laughs) I mean, and I'm grateful. Yeah, it, and you know, <laughs> I think about queerness too. You know, in in my queerness, you know, it's constantly. You know, Briard Reston has this quote like, uh, "We need in every community a group of angelic troublemakers." Also, I love him because he was on Broadway before he organized the first March on Washington with MLK. And like a lot of people don't know his story because of the fact that he was an out gay black man. I think a lot about the ways I like angelic troublemaker but um queerness for me is about questioning <laughs> the systems that we just kind of accepted throughout our lives that we that we are engaging with constantly that we are being told that this is the way to go this is how you get there this is what you need to do and my queerness is like why 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 there is no clear-cut path or blueprint that I can follow um that I feel I feel like in my life I've I've made it up I've made it up and during that time Shanta I too was um I wasn't a filmmaker yet but at that time I remember desperately looking for depictions in media of people like me who were questioning what those intimacies could look like, who were um, having these expressions of love in a positive way that like no one was killing themselves and no one was being kicked out of their home or being told through Western culture that like these parents are accepting their gay children with open arms. And like that idea of like being accepted was never in my mind at the time was not available to me because of this fear of like, oh my God, my mom's Catholic. and uh, Like I grew up in the church, all of these things. So I was like, how, how do I reconcile these parts of me that feel like I cannot be this but I am (laughs) and then over here it's like when I visit home and I go to church and like you know which is why my first film was called Sleeping Through the Gospel and I think what I was trying to communicate was that disconnect of like I can't be my full self with my family I can't be my full self at the church or even like my full self in in queer spaces because as a person of color (laughs) Uh, the way they talk about coming out, that doesn't seem available to me. You know, all the socioeconomic, you know, different positionalities that we experience, those priorities aren't mine. So my queerness has always been about why are things the way they are? And Shanta, you brought this up, how formative these queer, I like to call them intimacies um, because it's not always sexual. It's not always romantic. I think the ones that, I value most are the queer intimacies that we've really built. It's like, you know, people call it chosen fam, but we've built a system to hold us. Through, like that safety net, because some of us have not found that with families. Some of us have not been able to experience that in romantic relationships, or or that is just hard for queer folks. Like real talk, like to find those kinds of uh, romantic relations that can be expressed from a place of this is what I want for myself, Mm -hmm. and I'm not like operating from a place that I think I need to operate from, like getting married, having the kids, having all of that. Like my queerness is more expansive than what I was told was available to me. Yet at the same time, I know I've been called to parent. I think about parenting all the time. I think about certain systems that we mostly think of in certain types of relationships, but I imagine a very, very different way for, for myself, you know? And, and the people that I'm most intimate with are the ones who have the ability to dream up these worlds. And they're often artists, you know? They're, they're imagining how do we do things differently? They're very creative in how we relate and connect with each other. There's a lot of grace, there's a lot of room, there's a lot of patience. There's a lot of like asking questions as opposed to like having definitives because I don't want to be confined by definitives when I've already felt caged for so long. Like, no. I know my spirit is like often in other realms already because it's imagining that I'm already living in these situations, and I'm already trying to create it. Now I just got to get everyone else. (laughs) Like, come on, y'all. Like, let's let's be more expansive in how we approach our connections with each other the ways we move about a room the ways we create
0: the room that's where where my question tone if i could if i could lead you both in in this way with that cuz you're you're now addressing mm-hmm. that crunchy space right that that <laughs> space where where this reimagining the invitation to that work that is reconstructing That we're trying to attune to, that we're trying, that we know it's inside us, in community spaces, in in queer spaces, in other spaces that that aren't that not prescriptive. We've been prescribed something by our society, and we know that that prescription doesn't suit us. In our searching, in our longings, with with grief humming there, with. With joy being summoned, that now we're saying, "Okay, come on, who else? Who mm-hmm. else wants, mm-hmm. wants to come along?" The invitation to others, right? To mm-hmm. um, I hear that like when when you two say stuff like, "Everyone can sing." Oh, like oh, <laughs> no. I <can't. laughs> when I witness to you to really being yourselves, that brings joy to me. That brings that prompts me to say, "I." I want to be a part of it. I want to help create that space. I want to bring my own agency to that because I know that that's important. I don't want to be prescriptive either
2: mm-hmm. in
0: our society or with, with this program that society has given us that we thought was okay. Like we're doing that. And I think that's where my joy is, is that I can, I can do that. We have now human, the human regards podcast. Let's check in. Right. So that availability that access and that space that is what's joyous I'm feeling my my matriarchal sort of vibes right and I want to step into them with this kind of like this gathering motion right like these these come on come Come on
2: on, folks (laughs) gather around the fire
0: (laughs) Right, like it's 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 a convening. It's this convening energy that I I have been searching for for a long time.
2: I think a lot about the environments that we're in, you know? Like I don't think you were afforded or given the opportunity or chance to explore certain parts of yourself. Like I think I think now there's a reason why this is happening now. You stepping into your power in this particular way, it had to take those steps of your life. Like it had to, you had to go through, not to say that pain and grief and like hardship is necessary for these things. And I don't wish, you know, hardship upon anyone, but let's be real, this is life. So like your story and like your those key moments along your journey, that has all created the parameters for it to culminate in this way. It's kind of like, you know, it's like you you talk about gathering. It's like, you've been doing that within. You have been doing that within for years. Like, we don't know who we're going to become tomorrow, 10 minutes from now. We don't know, but we kind of have an idea of how we want to see ourselves, like how we want to experience, like for me, what does my love and action look like? What do I want it to feel like for myself? What does it look like? And I go through the five senses. When I think about in relation to other people, Mm -hmm. I imagine like, what, what do I want them to feel? I don't have control over it, but in my presence, I would I, these are the things I value and that I want to prioritize, and I'm gonna try my best to put that in action. It, it, you know, it's this, it's this push pull between like my solitude and <laughs> my my love for my bedroom and my plants and like being by myself where I can actually hear my thoughts, and then I interface with the world. And you know this about me, Atta. I am a social butterfly, but that needs my solitude, it needs me to hide in my shell. I'm a cancer leo cusp. So that tells you a lot. <laughs> so I hide in my shell. I do what I need to do, recuperate. And then I'm, blah, blah, I'm the lion. And I'm like ah, singing and ah, people. What I've learned was a dichotomy is actually not. It's nope. just the fact that like, in order for me to prioritize what I want, in this life, this is what I want it to look like. And I want to be very intentional. And when I fall off of that, you've reflected to me, like I know when I've fallen off of it, either I remove myself completely from folks or I like, when I get overwhelmed, I just like, I have to push everyone away.
0: When you stop sliding into my DMs.
2: <laughs> I mean, I told, I told Ate like, I had a really horrible December. And I, I, told, I told Ate, um, I was actually suicidal. Um, I'd been suicidal a couple, several times in my life. In December, I had lost two friends, um, one to suicide and the other natural causes, but um, he was like a marathon runner. So I was a little confused about that. And I was honest with my Ate that I was suicidal. And I think it was news to you, Ate, having those hard conversations of like, but they weren't so hard, actually. These conversations weren't hard because I've I've dealt with this for most of my life around like, okay, I know what kind of happens when my depression comes. I know how to handle and take care of myself. I always Mm -hmm. find my way out of it. But what I've learned, especially through dating, what I've learned is that I have to communicate To people especially my loved ones that like oh this is what I know so like I told I told Ate if you don't see me post to my stories in three days if you don't hear from me in three days that's a good indicator that like you need to check up on me so I would appreciate that you just like reach out And try to find me or figure it out. How can we help each other as we journey together, right? If I don't, if I can't communicate that or don't know how to communicate that, then that's one less opportunity or chance, one for connection, but also of like deep connection. This is just the reality of what it means to be me. And before I used to, I used to judge myself so much. Like at the time when I was 16 and dad took me to Kaiser, because my religion teacher, I wrote an essay. And my religion teacher was like, I think Tony Lynn needs to get on antidepressants. <laughs> and so my dad and I are sitting there in Kaiser. I'm an athlete. And my dad is like, what do I do? You know, I didn't want to put the burden on him. And I remember being told like, yeah, you need to be on antidepressants. So I was like, look, I'm an athlete. I don't want anything in my body. I don't want to rely on anything is there another way? They encourage dad to buy um, St. John's wort, um, which is a natural supplement. Basically, it increases serotonin levels in your in your system. And so I was taking St. John's wort from the ages of, I think I was 16 to at least 22. I think a lot about the worlds that we're trying to create and the worlds that we're trying to create do not limit the ways in which we can care for each other. They don't limit the ways in which we communicate with each other. I am going to take a risk for fear of pushing someone away, for fear of not having a friendship anymore or not having a romantic interest anymore. I am going to lean into asking difficult questions. You know, I'm not your therapist, but... I'm a curious person. (laughs) So I am going to ask you about your life. I am going to talk to you about things that maybe you don't want to share with me. And I think I'm pretty good about taking a step back, but I'm not half-assing shit anymore. It's been very clear that life is too short and whatever too short is like a whole nother thing, but life is, is it's, it's now and it's present and it's here. No one's going to create it for me, but I, I can be very intentional. And if Ate you're not here, if Shanta you're not here, if I didn't have the community that I think I've worked really hard to cultivate, I think I've done a pretty good job of, of contributing to these spaces as well as receiving and participating in these spaces. If we cannot find value in how we show up, if we don't reflect to each other, I see you showing up. I value you showing up. I want you to show up. If we don't communicate these things, you got a whole lot of people feeling like they're not connected to life, connected to source, connected to the world. Which is why it's easy for us to succumb to capitalism, to overworking ourselves, because we think we're being useful. But I really want people to think about, like, that purpose. Who is it serving? What systems does it serve? And is that what you want? Because that to me is like an easy way. I just wanted to say thank you for holding me and all this emotion. I clearly am about to get my period and that's okay to put in the recording. Yes, (laughs) that's right. But I've been holding... I think I've been holding these thoughts in um, and trying to figure out a way to express them because social media is not the hit. Um, <laughs>
0: With regards, human regards.
2: <laughs> Clearly, I've been thinking a lot. And so now I'm, I'm in this mode of... That's great, Tone. That's great. Now, how are you living it? How is it just a part of how you move in the world mm. so I don't have to freaking explain myself all the time or educate people all the time that Mm -hmm. I'm just I just move I just Mm -hmm. move in that way that invitation's there already for that's why
0: I always want to be there for me it doesn't feel like if if we look at it through a capitalistic societal lens it does look like promotion for me what it means is is that invitation to be in connection to be to be witness to humanity
2: there's a way that we are all conduits that a lot of people aren't awoken to. Right. And like, I think people don't understand or haven't familiarized themselves with the power that they hold. Or the impact that they have on other people, or oh, I realize that I don't have to yell at you. I could literally just take myself to the side and like figure it out before interacting with you. Like if we just had more people who were more mindful of that and understood that impact, then man, can you imagine like just what daily life would look like, you know? And I and I think there are other cultures. You know, I say this as someone who lives in the U.S. In other countries, though, like we talk about remembering, we talk about, you know, unlearning the ways in which we've grown accustomed to relating with each other. But when I went to Uganda in 2016 to teach film with college students from New York, the ways in which I was connecting with university students from Uganda was through song. We were singing. It's just a different way (laughs) or mode that people don't, think they have access to? What if we had that access at our Ooh, fingertips? what
0: if what if we what if we centered people of the global majority?
1: Oh, I mean, can you if... imagine? Because it's it's in my mind, it's not even a lack of access. It's like people think they don't have time because we think in these ways that are so <laughs> finite that it's like this isn't going to work within how I see time and how I see my energy. You know, everything feels like there's this limited capacity and right. what the, the first thing to go is art the first thing to go is music the first thing to go is the is creative movement, energy right
0: yes all that and meanwhile all that
1: but for some of us that creativity is literally us being alive if we don't have it then it doesn't feel like like i i shouldn't say we if i don't have it It doesn't feel like I'm fully alive. I don't feel present. I don't feel joy. (laughs) I don't like there's something about emotions when I'm allowing them to exist as they are and as they surface. That's kind of buzzy. You know, if I don't have creativity, I don't get that buzz. (laughs) Everything you have have said resonates so, so much and is so powerful. And I just want to say thank you for being so open about a lot of, a lot of this. And there's something-
2: It just happened, Shanta. I don't don't want (laughs) to, I don't
1: want to go backward, but I, it just hit me like when you have to communicate or feel like you want to communicate with someone about whatever is going on with your mental health, with your state of being, you know, with where you are, that's hard. And I just want to like verbalize this because I think in some ways it is hard. In some ways it's not. What makes it hard? For me personally is in so many ways in my life, me existing and embracing certain parts of my identity means losing people and not people that are mm. like peripheral, you know, not people that haven't mattered to me. People that in my mind are so, sort of, you know, supposed to love me the most. I love hearing about the relationship that you have. And I've told Carolyn this before because Selfishly, there's something corrective going on for me (laughs) when I can see that growth and that curiosity and those questions and and the way that you described how you've been able to learn and unlearn things together and have these conversations approach things that maybe seem difficult, but really at the end of the day are just honest and true. Some some kind of corrective thing happening when, when I can see that and witness that and recognize that that's a possibility because I've had experiences that are seeking that support. It gets the opposite. <laughs> you know, like I'll, I receive like the you're crazy type of stuff and you know at the end of the day it's just like a really intense rejection I think because it's it's me exposing this this reality it's me just telling someone like hey this is who I am and and them saying that's not okay with me like that's burdensome and I don't have room for that so not even not even like I can't hold you I don't even want to see that I'm going to keep this repressed memory I have of you (laughs) at the forefront and if if you're not matching that then I don't have time today. I definitely am not trying to make this about me, but I I just want you to know. Make it much... about you, Shanta. Make it this about is human you, regards. Shanta. No, but,
0: but human like how... <laughs> regards. Don't <laughs> so ghost much... yourself, Shanta. Don't ghost yourself. Man, thank God for
1: for you though, Carolyn.
0: But <laughs> but I,
1: like, I just want to make sure that you know whether this is in the episode or not. Just how much that resonates. With me, and I'm sure how it resonates with other people. Everything that that you said, I think in one space might feel really vulnerable and brave. And I'm not saying it's not; it is. And in here, I just wanted to feel like you're just able to be yourself. Nothing about that is is wrong, you know, or off-putting, or it. it it's just it's so you're, you're wonderful. Just regular,
0: you're just it's regular.
1: just <laughs> no. It's just it's so wonderful to get. To get a chance to understand, um, it's that same curiosity, to understand people as they are, without the pretense, without expecting it to fit a certain narrative. And so I, I just appreciate yeah. it a lot. And I'm sure that's reflected in the things that you create as well. And that's why as much as, sure, we can call it promo. I mean, I'm just like, I want to know what you're doing. I want to know. Right. I want exactly. to know what you're creating. I want to know what you're working <laughs> on, if you're willing to share, um, it's, just it's so that we can because, make sure to include that in
0: this. Yes, but well, let, let's do that because it exists, yeah. right? Like it, it, it is the the result of of this creative energy is not only embodied, but there are remnants, right? There are remnants. There are artifacts. There's this evidence of existence that I I know cool. for me, I value when we. Uh, become ancestors when we when we relate to ancestors and I'm talking on a very Uh big plane right what what artifacts are there for us to to remember them by some people call that history some people call that a knowing but that can happen in things right which we can promo and it can happen in feelings. It can happen in remembrances. And that creates this paradigm of possibility that is so abundant. And I also want to say that the same father who took Tony Lynn when when you were 16, Tony Lynn, to the doctor, is the same uh, father, same parent who took me and my twin sibling to the doctor when we were six and asked about human growth hormone. <laughs> <laughs> because you know, no, my I shouldn't be six foot tall.
1: Literally, I've had the same. Oh my god, that's wild! Same. I had my entire body x rayed because they were like, let's make sure nothing's wrong with you. By the way, the average height of women in India is not that far off for me. <laughs>
2: Oh my god!
0: I'm like mind blown. That's so weird. Tony Tony is the tallest of all of us siblings. <laughs> the
2: yo- yeah, the youngest and the tallest. I think at this point I've surpassed Dad. I think, but also as he gets older, he's just
0: shrinking. So Dad also now is like five one.
2: <laughs> well, also your son Miles is taller than me now. So you know. Anyway, I'm gonna sit with what you've just offered, Ate, in terms of. Uh, evidence of existence because I've actually been thinking a lot about this and you and you know this like you know I think a lot of people call it legacy right legacy what's my legacy and then we get so fixated on like <laughs> what, what, am plaque? Leaving, <laughs> what am I leaving behind what am I leaving behind how how does my life live no. on and mm-hmm. and I will nope. say this I do think about evidence of existence a lot in terms of one like how do I help myself focus on my living? Because, um, you know, I, I, I get a lot of flack for, I'm a documentarian. I take a lot of photos. I take a lot of videos. I love just the everyday moments of life. And as a filmmaker, you know, the way I think too is very visually. I'm always documenting. And at the end of the day, um, I'm always looking through like, oh, what was my day? Also, I'm just like losing my memory. So it helps me remember what I did. Sometimes when I'm hanging out with people, they're like, do you have to take a picture tone? Do we have to? And I'm like, I didn't have the words for it then when my friends used to call me out on it. But now I do. And I think to exist as a queer trans Philippinex person currently in this body, in in the world, in the, the life that I'm living, is a testament to so many lives that have had to live in silence. Not only did they have to live in silence, they were silenced, not only by how they were treated, but killed, literally killed, for being who they are or for living in alignment and living out loud. The visibility that I experience as a queer person of color who is in the theater and film realm, um, I live a very public um, in terms of queer community. It's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm just at this age where I think people are, oh, didn't Tony start X, Y, and Z? Or, you know, oh, I remember when Tony performed when they were 20. And if I if you look back on like how I used to sing in the world and, and all of these things, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very public life. I've always wondered if people were interacting with that public persona or that person that they thought I was, or if they're actually really navigating spaces and connections with me, Mm -hmm. like the one that I want you to interact with and know. And I think both of you have interacted with that person, with the person that I... I like am at my core. This idea of one, the question of did I even live? (laughs) That's just like a question always. Did I even live? I don't necessarily think of will people remember me? I think I used to. But when you live with like Suicidal ideation, or like if that's like a part of your story, um, I think it's natural for people to wonder, like, oh, what would my funeral be like? Who would be there? What would they say at my eulogy? And I want people to say that they felt safe with me, that they feel they could be themselves. And so when I think about legacy, that's what I think about. I don't necessarily think about things, I think that's not. afforded to me in terms of like intergenerational wealth, right? Like I'm not going to leave a house
0: behind. You've got a whole bunch of tablecloths waiting for you. (laughs) (laughs) Who who knows? Who knows actually? Let me rephrase that. some artificial flowers. (laughs) Some artificial
2: flowers. That's all you. But I think about living artifacts as like people in their power. People who maybe have crossed my path. If I want to leave with anything, it's that we all have the ability to connect with people in this way and that we only go as far as you give yourself permission permission to see yourself as a part of that collective that you as an individual have so much to offer and a lot to learn and a lot to receive but a lot to give how do we like orbit each other how do we like how are we part of each other's orbits and and constellations and how do we just support each other you know and with with our hearts knowing and with our hearts desires the one thing that I would love a chance for you to talk about just for
1: a minute or two is like how can people follow up with you again I think a lot of what you said was like it resonated with me if I was listening to this randomly I'd be like yeah Yeah. okay (laughs) So how can people follow up with you? How can they connect with your work, with your, that public space, you know, that you're willing to share? Like, how can people follow up and connect with you? Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. At Tone on Top, T-O-N-E-O-N-T-O-P on, uh... Instagram. Uh, that's like the main mode I use. And then I have a website, T-O-N-I-L-Y-N-S-I-D-E-C-O.com, com. You can keep up with me there. I work with artists. I work with artist disruptors. I work with culture bearers. I'm um, in journey and luck by with people who are creating on my website. You can email me and then, yeah, we can connect that way and and see Whether or not chatting with me is useful for you and and just I'm I'm definitely open to that. And that's actually how I've connected with a lot of people recently, obviously, since we've been been in the Zoom space.
0: Can I also say that Tony Lynn is a very, very, very skilled virtual bartender (laughs) and a real bartender. What is virtual bartending? It's um, the best well, thing ever.
2: <laughs> you know, during the during the pandemic, right? When everything was closed, I was just kind of like, oh yeah, a lot of bartenders were teaching. Like, how do people from the confines of their home become like have a drink? Um, okay. so a lot of bartenders were teaching virtually, but
0: we had a virtual happy hour in which Tony Lynn uh was our virtual bartender and created drinks that we then mixed ourselves in this space that tony lynn hosted for us it was a blast
1: okay i'm just gonna put this out there that's gonna be an episode we're gonna yes we're gonna yes. find a, yeah. a a couple I mean, other guests that yeah. want to come through for a second a second
2: uh session and if yeah, you'd like to follow
1: up if yeah. you're willing that would be so cool I mean, and
2: yeah yeah <laughs> as i bartend too i like to talk about uh you know the manongs the the older Filipino men who were working back of house in these kitchens, um, during the like tiki, tiki era. Um, and a lot of them came up with the recipes that a lot of white men were valued for. Um, and so that to me is a, is a way to honor those legacies and lineages that are silenced. So I'll always like bring up How we we were in these spaces? (laughs) I'm just writing this down because I'm not
1: kidding. Yes, I'm I'm like oh my god. Once every six months, we have a virtual happy hour. Like how amazing would this be? Yeah, let's do it. Follow Human Regards on Instagram at Human Regards Pod. Please remember to subscribe, follow, rate, and share from wherever you listen to your podcasts. Production and music for Human Regards is by me, Shanta Lecker. You're the best for being here. Take good care today.